Bow chicka wow wow. I don't know what kind of transition you're thinking. Uh, but <laughs> now time for the main wow. event. Sponsored by OnlyFans.com. I'm just kidding. No, I knew it was coming. Oh. I knew it. We were headed down that That's- road. Hello, and welcome to Beyond the Table, a podcast about a team of folks who love publishing and playing board games, with topics ranging from Capstone Games news and industry insights to games we're playing and fun we're having. This is episode three, recorded on May 24th, and the Capstone team is actually going to play some games in person soon. Hey folks, Tim here. Hey everybody, I'm Jillian, and I'm one of the hosts for Beyond the Table. Hi, I'm Eric. Hey, it's Clay. I run Capstone. In today's episode, after a quick intro from our newest panel member and a few tales of our latest gaming stories, we'll slide into Capstone Corner for some company news of the day. We'll then follow that up with a discussion about an unsurprising pattern we've detected over the past 12 to 18 months regarding the surge in two-player and solo gaming and how each of us has been affected by this shift. Then we'll close this episode out doing something that's a little different for us. We're going to tackle a second topic discussing methods for bringing new people to the gaming hobby and exploring today's potential gateway titles. So with all that said, join Jill and me as we take this discussion beyond the table. Okay, so who is this Eric guy on mic? Word on the street is in customer service, but let's hear the story how he tells it. All right, Eric, get us caught up on who you are, especially with the last couple episodes, how you got linked into Capstone and a favorite game or two. Okay, I'm Eric. I do customer service and missing pieces for Capstone. I was introduced to Capstone via my relationship with Jillian, I guess, just kind of indoctrinated into the family. Um, I got the job like halfway through the pandemic, I guess. I was a barista before I lost my job right at the beginning of the pandemic. And then Clay was kind enough to offer me a job. Customer service, which I am very used to working in the service industry. And I guess here I am. Favorite games would probably be Spirit Island, Gloomhaven, and Curious Cargo at the moment. Oh, we got a capstone game in there. That's awesome. There you go. <laughs> Instant raise. <laughs> yes, let's go. <laughs> All right. So uh, with that, Eric, real quick, can you tell us why those are some of your favorite games? What do you like about him? So the first two, the co-op gaming is huge. Spirit Island hooked me just like from the description of the game. And then the spirits and cards are super cool. Gloomhaven is just huge. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I don't really know. I just like cooperative gaming a lot. In Curious Cargo, I find the puzzle mechanic of that really compelling and fun. Even if... I'm losing. It's still fun to do that spatial and constant like tweaking and layering of the pipe network. I find that really brain tickling in a okay. good way. Very good. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> now, were you also part of the, the Dungeons and Dragons campaign with Jillian that she's been talking about the last couple episodes? Yes. So that's over. 
for now. <laughs> we finished the Lost Minds of Fandelver, but now we're transitioning. It'll probably be in like mid-July. I'm going to be GMing, or I guess it's called Keeper-ing, a new game of Monster of the Week. Ooh, that one's new. I haven't heard of that one. Hmm. Depending on how much people know, it's a from an engine called Powered by the Apocalypse, based around like supernatural mystery-solving monster hunting shows like Buffy or Supernatural or Fringe or something. It's less turn-based, more of like, it, what do they call it? Interactive, cooperative storytelling. All right, very good. It's cool. All right, well, cool. Well, well, welcome. Glad to have you here. Yeah, glad to be here. Clay, what have you been playing? So our game group, we moved down to the Cincinnati area in 2019 and had to find kind of a new game group. And everything was cool until 2020. But we finally got back together. It's May 24th. I think it was like the beginning of May when we started playing again in person. Just felt great. And just getting back to the table, not playing on tabletop simulator, actual components and everything. And we busted out brass. There's only one version of brass. Lancashire. I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let the debate start. There is no debate. <laughs> it's the, the, the OG brass. It's just so good. I love this game. The decisions you have when you're playing your cards, the clay, I don't even know if they're clay, but the poker chips that you have in the game, just, it's just a nice touch on that. Yeah. We got back to the table. It was a four player game and whew, that game gets intense. We had four people who knew how to play the game. So that was another nice element to it where we could all kind of have a, a deeper understanding and appreciation of the design and start planning for those long-term strategies. I remember in the in the first canal phase, I took a turn to, I forget, develop or whatever, where you take the little industry tiles off of your game board. And I almost did the the harbor one, the middle column on the new edition where you have to clear off the two dead ones. You guys know what I'm talking about? Sure. I, I know what you're talking oh, yeah. about. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I was going to take those off, but I did not. And Matt, who was ended up being the winner he's he kind of went that route i've never really gone the harbor route or the wharf i think is what it's called i've always done the harbors where you can ship and everything but it was cool because at the very end i had two level four factories that i was going to deliver only was able to make one of those go through a port on the game board because i thought i was going to have to flip a market tile but anson the guy one of the other guys playing had done it before me and he flipped a negative four and it just dropped it all the way to the zero. So yeah, it was pretty crucial. It it just, I was like, (laughs) man, there's like a really good chance I can, if the negative four and three don't come out that I could flip both of these level four tiles. Uh, But I got one and it was cool, but Matt ended up winning. He went with the wharf strategy. He had, he built both level two wharfs on the same turn. I've never seen that before. And hmm. it was it was really cool. Very expensive for him, but he won by close to 20 points. Even if I would have flipped that level four factory, still would not have won. But that's what I like about this game is it gives you the ability to kind of look back on the turns that you've made. I forget how many turns you have in the game, but you can kind of see like where things changed during the game and exact points that you would change and there there's there's a couple one of them i mentioned but yeah just an awesome awesome game i love that game 
No, that's cool. I've only played that one once and it was a while ago. So I, I don't remember much, much from it, but yeah. the, the arc, the overall arc of the game is probably the one thing I do remember. Isn't that one where you, you almost have uh, like, like a halftime. Yeah. You... And that's the thing that's, you're, you're talking about the transition from canal phase to when the railroads are dominant, yep. uh, which reflects real life, which is cool. That is one element to this game where you tell somebody, oh, yeah, by the way, at the end of the first round, basically, all of the canal stuff goes away. All those boats you built go away. All your level one factories go away. It's really hard to see for a new player what that would, how that kind of happens in real life. And it really throws a lot of people off, especially starting that second era with the railroad era where you can really position yourself those last couple turns to really start era two on a tremendous advantage. And I positioned myself really well. And it, it was just really cool to not have that, oh, oh, crap, what the heck is happening? We're getting rid of all this stuff. And everybody knew <laughs> it was coming and they knew how to handle it. So right. it, it was just it was nice. It was really nice. That's cool when you when you get to that point where you're playing the game enough, whether it's the same people or they just have uh, you know uh, experience playing it, where you aren't going through the the uh, I guess a steep of a learning curve while you're trying to play. So that's that's neat. Yeah. So with that, did you see different um, opportunities open up? Was it a, you know a slightly different game when you're playing with more experienced players? Uh, so I've played the app a lot and the AI on there is pretty solid. Um, usually I come in second. Sometimes I can win. For me, it's difficult to win in the app. It, it was the same experience with four players. Um, there was some moves that I think I really took advantage of the factories in the, in the canal era, the first era of the game, because one turn I did three or four factories delivered all on one turn. And I've ne- like building that empire up to where you're, you've got all these factories on the board and then it gets to be your turn and you're like, okay, I'm going to sell. And you sell all of them successfully to do two of them is a big move. And I, I did three and that was man, the tension before I could actually do that. Cause when you build factories, it's extremely expensive and you're typically going to go last the next round. And you're hoping that nobody ahead of you sells to the market. And it got to my turn and nobody was really building the, the factories, they were all focused on the coal and the iron demand because that was easy money, you know, short term money. So okay. that's sure. what I love about the game. There's room to like be very tactical with, oh, I'm going to build a quick coal mine because the market is really crappy for coal right now. I'll supply the market, get some cash, flip a tile and increase my income. That's cool, but it's, it's only worth a couple of victory points when you start throwing down factories and then you start selling them. That's a big bump on your income, but it's also some solid victory points. So it's just, oh, I, I love the game. The tension is what draws me to this game. It's very tense. Sounds like a fun timing puzzle as oh, well. Oh, 100% timing. Yeah. <laughs> but great experience. I'll wrap this up. I brought Dice Land. I mentioned that on, on episode two, I believe. The little train game with dice where you roll Yahtzee, or not Yahtzee style, but you roll and cross off some areas man with four players it was a little too long for what it for what it offered i mean (laughs) we were it was like a 30 maybe 40 minute game and like 10 minutes into it i'm like guys i I don't like i feel like i'm not 
we're never going to end this game. <laughs> like, what the crap? I did. This is really fun at two players, but I'm sorry. This is a letdown. And <laughs> it kind of put a damper on the effect that Brass had. We were all like to the moon with Brass. And then we played Dice Land. And I was just like, ah. But <laughs> I still like Dice Land with two. That's probably where I'll I'll keep it at. So that was our game night. Did you put Brass as like your favorite non-Capstone game, I think, a couple of episodes back? That or Indonesia. Um, I like Brass because you can play it in 90 minutes. It's fast. There's a set number of turns in Brass. Indonesia's very open. It just goes till the game ends. I saw some people tweeting about Brass and Brass Birmingham the other day. I think it was Reina from One Minute Board Games, but she said that she maybe didn't like Brass Birmingham at first, but then the second playthrough, she liked it a lot. And I don't know the difference between Brass and Brass Birmingham. I've only played Birmingham once. I like Lancashire because it's very limiting. It's very strict. It's very, it's got really sharp edges. Birmingham kind of opens up that. The game board changes with delivery locations. And Lancashire, the game board is the same every time. It's the cards you get that make it different and, and what you do on your turn. And I think that speaks to the decision making. But Birmingham also has more industry tiles of different types and beer, which I think you have to have to sell and you can use anybody's beer. It's just anytime I'm going to play brass, it's well, let's just play Lancashire real quick because we all know how to play it. We're familiar with it and it still tells a great story every time. Maybe we're going to have to bring brass to our game night coming up or game weekend, I should say. Yeah. Yes. I would love to play that game with you guys. (laughs) And you're going to go, oh, my gosh, all my canal stuff is gone. And we're going to go, yeah, this is what we said at the very beginning. Clay, why didn't you say something? Thanks for telling me about that rule. No, that is the one. It's so hard to wrap your mind around it. But, yeah, I I think you guys would really dig that game, Jill and Eric. Yeah, I want to play it. We'll have to try it out. Tim, what have you been playing? Uh, we got a couple things on here. One of them, I'd say probably is on the other spectrum of uh, this was a newer game for everyone involved, but we did get a couple plays in. This is PAX Viking. Played it twice at three. From Ion Games, new um, Kickstarter delivery is actually how I how I just got it. But it's a new lighter PAX series title. So in the same, uh, you know, PAX and BIOS feels. One to six players. So lots of versatility there. Again, just played it at three, so not sure how that stretches as you get into the into the tales there. But the players are Jarls vying to become the first monarch of Sweden. And like most Pax games, it's all about trade, diplomacy, and a little bit of deceit. Or uh, similar in other Pax games, there is a card market, as um, you know, basically all the all the Pax games have. Uh, there's just one um, one line within the market rather than having the the dual. Basically, the you know the 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 dual rows or dual columns. So in this case, there's just one. Uh, There are four types of cards, though. You've got um, events and um, ventures, which are parts that actually go out on a board, which I'll get to in a sec. And then uh, gods and oh, geez, what was the other group? Um, It's basically like follow, not followers. Followers is a bad word uh, because it comes up uh, in in a little bit. Maybe acolytes. Eh, Acolytes isn't right, but those two actually go on your own personal 
player board. So you have this thing called a Yarl board, which is your individual player board. The uh, other things that are similar, um, the end game goals, similar to uh, Pax Renaissance, well, somewhat similar. We've only played with the uh, the novice and standard versions, but they're basically, um, there are four items that can be different each game that are end game triggers. And uh, they end up being, um, it's basically a race for the individual who can complete one of those goals. What's kind of neat is you can have um, you can have goals from different levels to help kind of balance it out. So uh, more experienced players have to do the more difficult goals. So again, a way to way to handicap the game. So that's kind of neat. Things about about this one though that seem a little bit uh, or, or that are are new compared to other PAX games. First of all, there's a heavily developed board for itself, and also specific worker pieces for each player. They're a combination of two things. You have long ships, which are basically your like your main workers and then followers are like your tokens just to explain where you've been or where you've uh where you've developed uh you have followers of four different groups as well so uh, and again everyone for that everyone has the the same exact thing and with that it, it gives it a little bit more of a euro feel uh than than what i felt in other other packs games yeah another thing's a little bit a little bit different is the cards are uh, round so they're, they're circles, which is just a little weird. They're a like um, a circle, not a rectangle. They're a circle. Yep, exactly. So I, and I didn't I didn't measure it, but maybe like a uh, two and a half inch circle. Oh, wow. All right. How do you sleeve that? You can't. <laughs> and people are flipping out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'd be different if the, the cards weren't dark bordered. Oh. It's mostly red and black bordered. So you got the they fray. do show somewhere. Yeah, after yeah. two after two games, you got you know we got a couple nicks and stuff like that, so it's not that big of a deal. But but at the same point, it's like why I'm not sure that I get it. Yeah. But some of the cards actually go onto the board into the different areas, so the the board ends up being it's almost like your normal European Scandinavian map, and then that's broken up into four larger areas, which are called winds. Not positive why they called it winds, but there's a north, south, east, west wind, which is basically just a group of regions. Wow. And then in each region, there's two spots where you can either, they're either pre-printed locations that have special abilities and such, or places where you can put these these cards. So you're, you're actually developing the board based on, uh, based on what you capture from the market. So interesting um, spin or take on the other, uh, you know, the entire pack series definitely feels like a, a Euro based entry. Rank the four. You got to rank them now. Oh, geez. Yeah, we're doing it. Which, which four are you talking? Uh, which actually, four are you talking Have you about? played reign of witches? Cause we might, it might be five now. Yep. I'd add that. Okay. Oh yeah. All five. <laughs> Ready? We got Pax Pamir, Porphyriana. Yep. Well, I was going to say Pamir, Porphyriana, Ren, this, Reign of Witches and Emancipation. I haven't played that one. I'm not familiar with it, but okay. Rank them all, and then um, Transhumanity. Oh yeah, is the other one. So I haven't played those last two. I have them. I haven't had an opportunity to play them, but the other five I have. Top is probably going to be Pax Premier. It's a very solid midweight of these types of games. Uh, it's n- not too crazy. But, but this one is probably, like I was saying, probably the lightest. So Pax Premier number one. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> probably Renaissance would be two for me. 
Oh wow! And then is a toss up for Porfiriana, and then, per, and then Porfiriana. Oh wow! Okay. And then probably Viking, and then Reign of Witches. Gotcha. Other than the top two, that's probably a uh, heaviest to lightest rank as well. Now that I'm thinking about it, you need to teach me Renaissance, then, sir. Please. I got the the second edition of that. That's that's ready to go as well. I would love that. Yeah. I thought you didn't like Renaissance. Or you played it once and you didn't get your three play. Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> I think nah. we played it. He played it once back in 2017, late on yeah, the night horrible. before night before Origins started. It probably wasn't the best environment to learn that game. No, <laughs> it was not a good time. That is one of the worst gaming experiences ever. Because I was like, "All right, the game uh, ended. I don't even know." <laughs> that was one thing i I did kind of like about um pax viking is that uh with the the different uh end end game conditions i mean you can really kind of set the game up how you want if you want it to be kind of weird and much much more opaque you can do that or you can use some of the novice um or even the standard were pretty uh, i mean you could see what people were doing that's that was the cool. one thing with Pax Renaissance. You you just couldn't tell. You know, the game was over, and you're like, okay, unless you've played it, a, yeah. a, you know, a handful of times. I okay. I I would like to try a Viking then. Yeah, yeah. I think you'd like it. I think you'd like it. Actually, I think uh, uh, everyone here would like it. Uh, Eric, you played you've played Pax Premier, haven't you? Yep. And he always loses thinking. and is sad about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's a fun thing about those games or at least for me i I can totally have a great time losing Mm -hmm. those games they're definitely really good compelling yeah i think we actually had a conversation about this the other day where we still i think we've both played it twice and we both really enjoy it but we still we haven't seen all the cards for sure and we still don't understand certain parts of it or like don't have a plan i guess like we don't have any strategy for the game yet so we're just kind of still just in limbo because you always gotta watch out because everyone you're playing with is gonna go for england and then you're like wow okay but i don't want to play with england (laughs) it just goes to show that i couldn't be a warlord and then (laughs) it's just you gotta throw that game away And that's what's fun about that, uh, about Pax Premier. I mean, it's, you have to play the game that's presented. That is one of those very tactical situations where not only the cards that come up on the initial draw in the market, but also uh, everyone who has chosen before you is, it's like another, another card being dealt in, uh, you know, Texas Hold'em. It totally changes the uh, you know your odds or or basically what basically what you should do. So that's cool. That's a really good way of putting it. I've never thought about that analogy. I like that. Oh yeah, conditional probability. It's a good time. Clay is going to use that in the future when he's <laughs> talking about it. Mm, <laughs> Absolutely, it's good, that's really good. <laughs> I mean, nations kind of has that the market somewhat. Yeah, yeah, it does. Huh. No, you're right with the uh, with the the small cards. Oh yeah, by the way, I just remembered the Pax Viking, the other card that can go on your board. So you can have one god and then t- up to two advocates, 
And then each URL board actually has its own little asymmetric power. I can't remember if I said that or not, but again, it, oh, that's, it, it's kind of neat. It's kind of neat. Definitely want to check that out. Yeah, I think Eric would be really interested in this one because he, I forget what class you took. That was like Norse, Norse mythology. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, my teacher got really mad at me and I, I thought I'd get away with it because, well, I wasn't really paying attention to when school started. And my friend was coming back from Germany, a um, internship or co-op, and we went to Iceland. I missed the first week of class because oh, I didn't pay attention <laughs> to when school was starting. But she was really mad that I did that. And I was like, well, but I'm going to Iceland. Can't you tell me something <laughs> that I should go do? You know, real world experience. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Learning yeah. on the job. Yes. You had senioritis in college. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I missed Frisbee tryouts, too. That was kind of dumb, but. Whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, the planning of college people. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> like Iceland? Yes. Like, oh, wait, school oh, starts? that's true. It'll be fine. <laughs> Iceland. <laughs> you get. Uh, another one we've uh, gotten in a couple plays of in the last uh, last few weeks. And both of these were also at, at three player, but it's uh, the king is dead. Uh, so I picked up the second yes. edition of this. I want to get that so bad. Well, that's, this is the one I've really slept on. I totally missed it. Even when the second edition came out from Osprey mm. last year, it was just 2020. But this is one, if, well, several weeks uh, now I, I posted on our discord that I purchased it, purchased the game in the middle of it being taught. The Discord went wild too for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one of those things after after a couple of games. Since uh, yeah, I, w- I was right. It, it definitely is a, uh, a distillation or a distilled version of a you know, lot a lot of games that I tend to like. So there's a game of political upheaval in medieval Britain. So you have Scottish, Welsh, and um, English all in the fray, and then also there is some threat from France if you don't uh, do what you're supposed to do. So that's I. I my thoughts here is it sounds pretty paxy, right? Yeah. It's got that multiple factions thing. You you don't really belong to any of them. You're really just maneuvering and, you know, ducking in and out, forcing them them to uh, either take actions against each other or move in and uh, basically take regions away. So what it is, is there's you got those three factions which have cubes on a board. There's eight regions on um the eight regions represent Britain and then each player has everyone has the same hand of eight cards and they're a combination of support, which is where you back one of the, the factions assembly is where you just adding cubes onto the board and then maneuver cards, which just move around cubes that are already on the board. What's cool is every, um, every round is basically result or it's around resolving one of the regions and that's randomly predetermined at the beginning of the game so you just take the eight regions you know cards for the eight regions shuffle them up lay them out and that that's going to be the uh that's going to be the order in which the regions are going to going to resolve and then each each player has those eight cards what's kind of cool is is play is not uh mandatory it's optional so every every player has cards so you definitely have card play but it totally has an auction feel and I'm not sure exactly why that is, but at the end of you playing a card and in, in resolving it, uh, you must take a cube from one of the factions on the board. 
So there's cubes all on the board, and uh, you're going to be playing the cards to either add some, move some around, or you know something to that effect. And then at the end of your turn, or end of playing a card, you you um, remove a cube of your choice of one of the three factions. Play just continues until all players have consecutively passed, and at that point, that region is is resolved. So Clay, I know. This was back a boy of a couple of Gen Cons anyway. I remember me, you, and Justin sitting down in a bar and playing Biblios. Yeah. You remember what I said about Biblios, what I compared it to? Train game. Yep. That's <laughs> that's kind of what this is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a okay. it's it's a little bit of a stock market feel where you're taking your share at the end of your turn, a share in one of the one of the countries. And what you're trying to do is at the end of the game whichever one of the countries has controlled the most regions, you want to be the person that has the most followers or shares of that country. Interesting. Yeah. I've heard really good things. Is it pretty, is it like 30 minutes, 45 minutes kind of yeah, thing? Or? Yep. You got it. That's exactly Ooh, it. Oh yeah. That's yeah. nice. I think the last time we were talking, I talked about our war whispers. Mm-hmm. It feels like a shorter, more distilled version, even of that a L- little bit more condensed, but uh, still that uh, shared incentives, not really being one of the factions, but you're more just manipulating the factions and then, uh, you know, trying to trying to figure out what other players are going to do and, and, and be ahead of them. So, yeah, it's a it was another really good one. Sounds like a good time. It really does. All right. I'll be I'll be bringing both of those. Was there anything while you were playing that like made you click? and like buy it instantly when you were playing it like was there like a mechanic or anything that really just sprung you forward <laughs> you know what i don't know it was it was more the 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 way it was being explained and i could see how the card play was going to work and i could see how you were going to pick a cube basically a follower of the countries and then you're trying to manipulate the board to make sure your country ended up on top i just love stuff like that yeah well, you've sold me on it, so you have to bring it next time. Add it, <laughs> to, right. the and it, to, the it to the list and bring it to the game or the game again. <laughs> <laughs> will do, will do. That's when I, th- I think technically it plays two to four, but every person I've talked to said it's basically a three-player game. I've only played it at three, so it's one of those I haven't really tested it yet. I, I can't imagine it being very good at two, but at four, I, I, I don't know if it just gets crowded or what, but... Might have to try that out as well. All right, cool. Eric, you gotta go. Yeah, what have you oh, been doing? Oh. I already know, but what have you been <laughs> <Okay>. doing? <laughs> um, so we haven't really been playing a lot. Like our, our Gloomhaven hasn't done much. Frisbee season is starting, so one of our players is out. I'm retired now, so I just get to play board games. <laughs> Gloomhaven's good. It's just now. It's really frustrating because it's just now starting to open up with like options that we have in places we can go. And now like we kind of have to start over and make a new party. Oh no. Or maybe fudge it. And, and just like, why is that? Well, because one of our players is leaving. Oh, so geez. it's either okay. we, or we just replace him or just kind of boot him because he's probably going to move to Chicago because he's playing on a Chicago Frisbee team. So it makes sense for him to move over there. Maybe, but I mean, we <laughs> drove last year. But anyway, so Gloomhaven's been slow and I've been trying to get people to play Tulip Bubble or Bus and I can't get anyone. Oh, Bus is so good. I was going to say both of those are solid. 
Yeah, don't look Tulip at me. Bubbles, okay. <gasps> I've yeah, I have your copy now. That's yeah. why we have it. <laughs> yeah, I was ready to go. I mean, I played it a couple times. That's fine. Like, Just the art looks beautiful to me, and that's worth playing. The concept is good too. Yep. Because the friends that we introduced ride the rails too. I think would also dig this. So I'm trying to do that, but been unsuccessful. Good luck getting the ultraviolet tulip. <laughs> is that what I have to get? I don't even know if anybody's ever gotten it. No. <laughs> it's just so tempting. I mean, ultraviolet. Is it like the transcontinental uh, or whatever where you you just want to do it, but it doesn't really mean anything? No, it's a big deal. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody buy it, but it ends the game. Bus, though, that's what's up, man. We'll talk more about bus later on, but there you go. What is like, okay, Eric, you like co-op stuff. Is there anything on, on the radar that you're kind of like looking out for? Like, Ooh, this game looks cool that I'd heard is a co-op game that I'd really like to kind of like investigate. Maybe it's a coin series or I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, sleeping gods I've heard good things about and that look kind of interesting, yeah. but I mean, there's also like the, what Tim told me about ISS Vanguard. So naturally about that or whatever pre-bought it <laughs> on game found or whatever <laughs> nemesis sounds amazing go. kingdom death monster and so that's also what i was gonna say is that i've just been looking at just like multi hundred dollar games and just being like i want this yeah. so bad but also like we have it makes we have gloomhaven like no like we gotta get more into this before i start spending stupid money on things <laughs> Yeah, and we have Oath coming in too. So <laughs> that's it's just yeah. like oh yeah another one to the list. Which I don't know where that is, uh, but it'll it'll be here one day. I think it'll just show up on our porch, and we'll be like, "Yep, okay, another game that we got on our shelf that we're not playing yet." <laughs> I was gonna say I thought I saw someone uh, saying that they had received their copy. Yeah. I don't know if that was um, if that had happened so, yet or not. I mean, I came late after the Kickstarter like ended because i didn't know about it but i got it from like the game stewards who seem like they just buy kickstarter stuff to sell later so you got it. i was like sick yes jumping in on this and it has a neoprene mat which seems excellent i'm excited about that one just the mat really mostly <laughs> <laughs> that's all i want it for is the mat and the mat only <laughs> Oh, man. I'm looking at my shelf just trying to think of other games that are co-op. The only thing I have is Time Stories, which is really good. Have you heard about that? Nope. <gasps> <laughs> you got to bring it. It's really good. The first story is really good. Um, do you have four players? Usually, yes. Okay, I'll bring it to you. Oh, we also have to play Orléans uh, co-op. Invasion. Invasion, yeah. We've never... Yeah. It's just, it's just too many things, man. Yeah, the time stories is good because the rule book is very short. It's nothing. It's not Gloomhaven where you have to read a, a book. We have roles. We have rule book reader, scenario reader. Oh, that sounds horrible. <laughs> um, you got to with time stories. You can kind of, you can, you can spend thirty minutes kind of skimming through and reading it. I'm gonna bring that game. I. I got to make sure it's all set up for you because it's one of those where you can't look at the cards. You got to just investigate the story and figure it out as a team. It's really good. So we have that. We have Nemesis. 
We have what else do we have to play? Brass. Don't think we're gonna have brains. I hope someone's keeping a keeping a list. Jillian. <sighs> we got Nemesis, Brass, Pax Viking, The King is Dead. Oh my god. We're just gonna be dead after that weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a brutal one. Okay, Clay, we have to get you to play Spirit Island. That that's like my one mission though. Cause I know that you would enjoy it, I think. I don't know. You're very. I know. I think. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like confident sometimes that like you're gonna love it, but then like other times I'm like, hmm, never mind. (laughs) Keep you on your toes. You'll you'll just have to give it your three plays, and then we'll be good. Yikes. (laughs) Okay, so we'll talk about it in two years (laughs) when I can. Can make that happen. <laughs> no, I, you, we should bring that. We'll have plenty of opportunities this summer to play that. Yeah. So it'll happen. I just want the expansions also because I think it expands it up to six players. Yeah, it does. But I don't know if we can buy that anywhere right now. It's sold out everywhere. Wow. Okay, Jillian. And the other things that. So, what have you been playing? <laughs> I don't know, Eric, what have you been playing? Because whatever I've been playing, you've been playing. So to prepare for the first topic, Eric and I played a couple of two-player games. The first one was Watergate, which was our first time after 10 months of me working here. I finally played Watergate, and I loved it. What? Yeah. It was was really fun. Like, um, That's awesome. I, it's one of those games where you play it and you want to play the opposite side and do different strategies. It's very addicting. And I'm yes. really mad at myself for not playing it earlier. because uh, What so side fun. did you play? I played the editor, the Washington Post. So, um, it, Of course, she made me play Nick. Yeah. 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 Uh, oh, my God. I didn't make <laughs> you play anything. <laughs> I think we came to an agreement. I heard Eric is a huge Nixon fan. So that's <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wasn't even alive. Then. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Uh. But yeah, Eric played Nixon and it was actually really close. I think so. Eric had four motivation tokens on his card. Momentum. Um, oh, Momentum. Yeah, sorry, not motivation. Nixon's motivated <laughs> to not to cheat more. get impeached, yeah. I guess. Um, <laughs> and I had one, but I was like, I had two people in the yellow area and two people in the blue mm. area. And I had one connection and I was one away from having two connections. And Eric was one token away from winning. So... It was whoever wins this next round is going to win the game. And so it ended on me playing. I forget what card it was, but I got to steal Eric's value movement where he moved one of his tokens. Um, it was a yellow token. blue token. It was the, yeah. Right. Or an evidence token. No, you moved the evidence token for on your side. So I played my last card. Mm-hmm. And I moved that token four on my side and then placed it perfectly. It was a yellow and blue. 
Well, he moved and I won barely on that or else he would have won otherwise. <laughs> it's a heart attack game. Yeah. That game is down to the wire every time. And it's frustrating think- sometimes because Eric played this card where it immediately ended the round and I had really cool cards to play <laughs> and I had everything figured out, but he ended it so quick. And I was like, no, we're playing Nixon's well, game. The president has cancer <laughs> or whatever. Or isn't it cancer on the presidency or something like that? I think it was that. I card. think that's the, yep. yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was really addicting and I'm, I'm really <laughs> mad at myself for not playing it earlier. And I, I'm excited to play it with other people. Did you play the gambit card, Eric, where you just automatically move the momentum marker to level five on your side? I don't think so. You did because I was angry about it. Okay, I guess I did. (laughs) He had all the good cards. Excuse me? Yeah, Nixon. I like Nixon. Nixon, like you can punch or you got to beat up your opponent. It's very uh, about making them stressed and, you know, just messing with them. I like that about the Nixon side. And then the Washington Post, you're trying to put this little puzzle together on the board and not let Nixon get the red tokens. Different different experiences. Yeah. I love it. Did you play the Nixon mm-hmm. side yet? No. So after okay. we played Watergate, because we had a two-player game day, we brought out the nice. vote, which was our first time playing it. And we ended up not finishing it because we just spent a lot of time learning it and I was getting hungry and that is not a game that you want to play while you're hangry, especially if you are the <laughs> equality side. So I was <laughs> getting mean at some point and getting just frustrated. So I was like, whatever, I'll be done for now. <laughs> so we ended up playing, I think like five or six rounds or something. Eric was ahead by like 10 or 12 points. And I was like, there's no freaking way I'm winning this anyways. I'm, Hungry, get me food, and we'll be done. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually how that game goes, though. Yeah, that game is it's pretty decent. I like it. I think the vote is such a beautiful game. Like, the art on the cards, and even the art in the game board is very, like, I don't know. I just really enjoyed... Oh, yeah. it's It highlights the certain areas really well, and they use just good colors. And then the background has cool stuff but it's not distracting which i've grown to like a lot it has the aesthetic of the time period and mm-hmm. it's done very nicely mm-hmm. yes i'm a sucker for card art i guess yeah you are <laughs> <laughs> it was like one of the first things that you said when i pulled it out you're like oh my gosh these cards <laughs> but what you were describing that i i think that's pretty common for how that uh how the games tend to go is that the um, the equality ends up being kind of behind most of the game until you really start turning some of the voters your way. Cause that's the other thing. Once you turn them your way, the, the other player can't pull them back. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's definitely a one, you know, it's the game is heading in one direction. It's the, the question is, can equality speed it up to the point where they can actually overtake, overtake the other side before they're, they're sitting on the, what is it like 75? I think like that 75 points. It's a race yeah yeah that was frustrating i definitely want to try it again when i'm not being mean and hungry (laughs) i'll have to make sure that i eat a meal before (laughs) and i'm in a good mood because like it is frustrating and i think we actually this was maybe on a pre-recorded episode where you and clay talked about 
how it's like basically political commentary where equality is it's really hard to play equality for a reason i mean it just is going through like what the suffragettes went through and everything so yeah it was it's really cool in that way too maybe next time I'll get to play Washington Post and Equality, and you'll have to play Nixon and Supremacy. <laughs> I'll, I'll play the bad guy. Oh, guys. I just realized that you guys <laughs> yeah. just loaded up on like one side yeah, on the political to, aisle. <laughs> Eric gets to play the fun <laughs> side. Uh oh. Uh oh. Okay. He's got something to say. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Jillian doesn't want to play the bad guys. Oh, you I mean, got to be guess. the bad guys. Oh, the bad guys are fun <laughs> in board games. Yeah. <laughs> They're like Nixon is so fun to play. I love playing the Nixon side. I'll have to try but it. Did not care for the vote on the suppression side. It was just you didn't do much on your turn. But that game, it's really neat how like what you were basically what you're saying, Joe, it just it's so evocative of the time period and just what people went through. It was like it's if crazy. I like played that in my US history class. It's just way more interesting and right? like informative than, yeah. especially with like how it's designed for the affect, I guess. Like you're supposed to feel like these people felt and like a book doesn't give you that or a history textbook at the very least. No, it's a good point. Good, good, good point. And I think that's in the, I think the player guide or player book or whatever, mm-hmm. where it describes the idea of, of supremacy being, it it is purpose purposely feels a little bit easier. It purposely feels like you don't have to struggle do anything as really. difficulty or yeah. as, as difficultly. Yeah. yeah. No, you're, you're right. Yeah. And then that's what Eric was saying is like, has that same, it just emulates that. And that's what the game is. So yeah. I, yeah. That's cool. What else, Jillian? So I recently, well, a couple months ago, I went on a Kickstarter binge, and then I kind of redid it a couple of weeks ago. Um, <laughs> but I received my first one uh, last Friday. It was unexpected because I thought we were supposed to get it in June. So this Kickstarter is called Amending, and it's by a game by Shing Yin Kor. It's a solo keepsake game where basically you are visiting a friend and embroidering your journey to them on a map provided to you that it's like a silk screen map on um like cotton and it was really exciting for me to see something like this because you know i've never seen it before never heard of a keepsake game or embroidery and board games in the same sentence so i just had to buy it and i had to get the pledge with all the embroidery stuff all like the it comes with like vintage thimbles and like a vintage like little bunny like scissor it's like it's really cool um i'm really excited to work on it a little bit more basically all i've done for it so far is so little beads on opposite side of the maps so i'm up in the upper right hand corner and my friend is on the lower left hand corner so i just basically have to embroider my path to them based on like what cards i pull yeah it's I think it's going to be great. That's cool. Yeah. That's a really unique experience. That is really cool. Yeah. I, I This this person is really doing like a lot of like keepsake games. Their Twitter account is Sawdust Bear. And I think that they are going to be doing more stuff in the future, more keepsake games. They um, 
put something in our package where they were explaining their next game and it's like journal entries for their next game. And I'm feel like I'm going to be buying from them in the future because it's just really cool. Yeah. I think you're, you're, you're merging two mediums or two different activities together. That's such a neat experience. That's cool. I'd never heard of this. I'd never heard of even that as a concept. How did, how did you hear about this one, Jillian? When I first got my personal Twitter account, it was like one of the first tweets that I weirdly saw and I clicked on it and it was an immediate buy and it was really fast turnaround. Like this is like early February and I already have it in my hands. Wow. I think that this designer is specifically like an installation artist and like comic artist. Um, so they also had an interest in board games and so they've kind of like merged the two and they put themselves a little bit in each of their game, like what they enjoy to do, like personally. So they embroider. Um, I don't know how much because I think they even said that um, they're not the best at it. Yeah, but it, I don't even know like what to say about it. Like all of it is just so cool. I even got like little prototypes that they designed of the map beforehand and there's just so much thought into it. I'm really excited to see what they do in the future. You'll have to keep us updated on the the journey map. That sounds neat. Yeah. I'd like it'd be cool to see a picture of it or or whatever. Bring it to the warehouse if you can. Yeah, I will. And I think it'll be really cool to frame that once it's done because it's a game that I worked on myself and like put a little bit of myself into. So it'll be fun to have that forever. Neat. Well, that's cool. You're going to have to keep posting the pictures on Discord. That was the first time I, I saw it. And uh, yeah, it seemed like you were uh, you were real excited to get that one. Yeah, it was unexpected, but I am I was so ready for it. I It's definitely going to be the focus of this summer, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, boy, you, you had three good ones there. Yeah. Watergate, The Vote, and what was the name of that one again? Amending. Oh, very good. All right, with so many exciting things in the hobby, new and old, let's head over to Capstone Corner for some highlights from the president's desk. Clay, Jill, tell us what's going on. All right, Jill. (laughs) Um, We kind of had a little powwow session last week about all of the boats that we have out there floating around heading over to the USA. <laughs> I feel like uh, you were going to say something and I know exactly I what was you trying say. for something. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I didn't want to though, but anyway. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so we 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 kind of talked about all these games that we have coming out. It's kind of quiet right now. Um, we haven't had a new release hit our shelves in a couple weeks. So with all the shipping delays out there. I, I'll just talk about the shipping delays. And Jill, you want to touch base on a couple of the games? Is that cool? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so last podcast, episode two, we talked about the shipping delays that were kind of becoming more and more apparent. And now we're seeing it everywhere. I mean, you go to any store, you're going to see empty shelves, typically not stocked as full. Lumber prices are just through the roof. I mean, things are just expensive now. We got a brand new dog. Getting a fence installed is just, it's taking like eight weeks to get a fence. It's ridiculous. 
same thing with shipping. I mean, it just, just the way the world is right now. And we're doing the best we can to secure shipping lanes from China to the United States so we can get the games in your hands. That's probably not going to be back to normal for another few months. We're hoping by September, October is what my freight forwarder is saying. It could possibly even dip into 2022, which is realistically what I think is going to happen because you got the holiday season coming up, uh, which a lot of people are planning for. And September is a pretty busy time for shipping. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, hopefully the labor shortages don't last too long. Container shortages don't last too long. Vessel shortages don't last too long. <laughs> There's just everything out there. It's just a shipping world right now. Everybody's buying stuff online and that's just the way it is. So, for example, when we book a shipment, it's out of our hands. Like there's literally nothing you can do. There's so many people that are involved with getting the container from point A to point B. And the steamship line, the people that own the actual vessel to carry it across the ocean, they hold the uh, dominant stick or whatever. They, they, they make the calls and you just kind of have to roll with it. So, for example, with Coffee Traders, we departed on... I think May 9th and we got an update a week after they're like, Oh, by the way, it's going to, it's going to transload in Busan, South Korea, which I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. We get a, <laughs> we don't get our container for another two weeks because of that. So it'll hit into the United States in June 9th is when it'll hit LA and hopefully, you know, it's smooth process getting it onto a train from LA to Chicago that's the the route it takes. So the games are made. They're they're coming out. Um, it's just a couple little minor delays here and there. Everybody's experiencing it. I mean, look at any other board game publisher. They're they're going through through the same things. Magic: The Gathering had some serious delays this year. Everybody does. So I mean, you can't even buy Pokemon cards right now. It's ridiculous. So. But, no Pokemon cards? <laughs> nope. And my son's into it. And he's like, I was like, we're going to go to Walmart and go buy some. And we looked at the empty shelf and just said, we're sorry, son. We'll have to son is figure into something it, else huh? out. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he likes, the, he likes the Pokemon. But anyway, that's kind of the shipping status. We're really hoping for something soon. But I don't want to steal too much of Jill's thunder. Good news on Iberian Gage. I don't know how we did this. We found a container to get delivered into LA at the end of June, which is oh, insane. Wow. It's going to leave in June and it will be in the United States at the end of June, which I'm like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Cause right now everybody, everybody's budgeting 12 weeks to get from China to your warehouse, wherever it is in the U S that's the budget. Everybody's kind of going with 12 weeks. And that what's is it, crazy. What's it usually like, like five four, or six, four to five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just, that's how it is now. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't last too long. So, uh, but yeah, we're, we're doing everything we can. It's a lot of dealing with freight forwarders, getting status updates, a lot of communication it takes a lot of time, but you know, we're doing everything we can because we really need these games to come in. They're coming. So they'll be here soon. Yeah. We've been trying to keep updated with that as much as possible. I know it's annoying to get emails in your inbox from companies a lot, but we're really trying to keep everybody updated as much as possible for our production schedule. We try to email when we know things for sure as well. Like for example, coffee traders was supposed to leave a little bit earlier than May 9th. And we were not sure when it was going to get here. So we had to 
wait until we had something booked to give you all a little bit more information. But good news is most of these shipments are on the way and we're excited to get them in. It's going to be a busy, busy June and July, Jill. Are you ready for this? (laughs) It's about to be crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So that's what I'm about to touch on. Like we were expecting May to be the busy month and then things got a little bit delayed and then we're like, oh, June's going to be the busy month. Like we're not going to have like a day off. And then now it's July is a bit busy month because now all these shipments are going to be here in July. Good news is the first game that I believe we're going to receive is Juicy Fruits. And that's probably less than a month away, um, hopefully. Yeah, that'll be here June. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's almost in the port right now. Yeah. So I believe we're, we're wanting to get that mid-June. Um, and if, it, uh, if there are any delays, just check our Twitter and uh, you'll probably have an email from us at some point. But yeah, lots of games coming in and we're... We're getting that ready for everybody. Do we have any ideas on some of the other games? It sounds like Juicy Fruits is what mid June. Yeah. So, realistically, yeah. what we're looking, I'm going to pull up this. Let me pull this up real quick. Yeah. Oh yeah. We have so many different games coming in. Coffee Traders and Curious Cargo will be next after that. That's supposed to be in the U.S. on June 9th. So we're probably hoping to get that late June ish. We're expecting a couple of like delays probably once it gets into LA especially so probably three or four weeks after it arrives in LA we'll probably get it and then mid early to mid July probably you'll receive a shipping notification from us for coffee traders or curious cargo if you pre-order that again the next game would probably be Iberian Gage and Ride the Rails Australia and Canada and like Clay mentioned before, we got a container for June and it'll be in the U.S. late June. So we're looking around the same timeline as Coffee Traders and Curious Cargo where it's early to mid-July. And then I believe... Jill, I really think, I really think we're going to get... Because Coffee Traders, we got that coming in June 9th in L.A. I think three weeks after that. Yeah, you are right. That That is the end of June. I, I want to get coffee traders in people's hands before 4th of July. That's my that's my goal. Yeah. And I feel bad because I know people have been waiting for that game specifically. Yeah. Um, it's a big game and it's going to be great whenever you get it. It'll be worth the wait. <laughs> yeah, it was it was difficult. I mean, there there's other stuff that happened with the sh- the steamship line. Mm-hmm. Just terrible. But yeah. And then I believe the next one after that is Glass Road, which we're still, as of now, when this airs, we won't have um, pre-orders open for that with our discounted price. But that's uh, probably going to be around Gen Con time when we have that ready available for everybody. And we're really excited about that one, too. Like, you guys have absolutely been killing the pre-orders on that. We've seen a lot of, like, support on Twitter and social media and see all your comments and everything. And it it's really great that we're able to provide a game like that for you guys because it the comments and everything every nice thing that everybody has to say about capstone makes it all worth it we got a lot of stuff out there it's all going to come in and um so jill eric let's go on vacation let's relax before all this stuff hits and then before we go out of our minds because it's going to be crazy (laughs) in the next yeah (laughs) 
I don't know. What is that going to be in four weeks or so when Juicy Fruits hits? Yep. The three of us go down to Knoxville to visit mom and dad. And then I think it'll be Juicy Fruits right after that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, because it's in L.A. I'm looking right now. May 28th. (gasps) Oh, yeah. It's coming. (laughs) So so is L.A. still the three or four week parking lot in the sea no not it's, not as that's bad. cleared up okay good, good it's good. just the the labor shortage they don't have workers okay. the rail line i don't know how this is possible they ran out of cars to carry the containers i don't oh my goodness it's just like i feel like there's just like okay we're running out of everything i don't know it's just really strange somebody made some wrong choices didn't play <laughs> enough <laughs> Board games. They need to be playing more Euro games <laughs> yep, there. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Some more planning games. But yeah, it's once once the containers are starting to move, um, responsibility has been transitioned from the factory to a steamship line. And just like UPS and FedEx, they need to get it delivered. They don't want the liability on their hands. So not they're not dragging their feet on purpose. Nobody ever does that. It's just the current state of the world is just this perfect storm of labor shortages and demand of people wanting things. We were never prepared for this. Um, nobody was, and it's showing. So it'll get better. Uh, just like LA, the port is getting better there. So just give it a couple more months, hopefully. Yeah. With time on my mind, I think that's all we have to say about everything going on. Yes. I mean, it's literally just a waiting yeah, game. Yeah, we'll let you That's know. All it is. We'll let you know. Just, <laughs> just, we got your back. The games are coming. We'll let you know. So, the main topic number one has there been a surge of two player and solo games? What are your guys' favorites, pros and cons of two player games? the pandemic going on i feel like this is a pretty good topic i've 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 seen a surge i don't know about you guys clay what do you think about the solo and two-player game surge yeah uh it just it warrants itself because of everything that's going on in the world you know i mean if, if you think about it back in early 2010s there was some solo mods or whatever for games that came out like nations has a solo mode agricola has a solo mode it wasn't really a highlight i don't believe back then even twa is a two to four player game that was like the standard and they the designers created a solo mode for it which is okay euro games aren't the greatest for solo mode in my opinion but yeah i mean there are definitely some that have been out there but i just feel like any game that comes out now, it's got a solo mode for it. And that's exciting. But at the same time, I don't know if the games are designed for a solo experience. Like I, with Coffee Traders, we did a, a two-player mode, which, again, originally the game was not really designed for two players. But given the conditions of the pandemic, the demand for two players was just through the roof. And fortunately, Andre and Rolf got together and created this work around to, to make a simple two-player game experience that mimics a three-player game experience. And they did a really good job with, on that. But I think with 
anything, two-player games have just been such a solid staple in collections out there. I mean, if you look at your, if you keep track of stats and everything, two players is just such a a nice player count that you can get together with your spouse, um, or just if you're meeting with a friend for lunch or whatever. Like I used to go over to Justin's and play a, a couple two-player games in between working and that's kind of like where I think the, the effects of the pandemic came about and just really made everybody kind of look at single player and two player game modes. And that's kind of my thoughts on it. I think it'll still continue. Um, now that these games are in existence, there's still going to be a market for it. Some of my favorites solo games would be, I've talked about it basically every podcast. We don't talk about Stilico. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Nemo's War is another one. I really like that because Ian O'Toole did a phenomenal job with the graphic design where you don't have to look at the manual. You can play it, and if you have questions, your answers are written on the game board. Very well done. I really appreciate that, especially in a complex game. Another game I want to try is Charlemagne from Amabel Russell. Um, or Amabel Holland, I'm sorry. That's a... A solo player game. I mean, it's it's a three hour experience, though. It's a pretty big one. But yeah, there's there's a couple. I mean, Escape from Hades. I'm looking at as well. Hollenspiel makes really solid solo games, and I do want to talk about them because they're such unique experiences. The thing I don't like about solo games is when the victory conditions are point based. If you score between thirty and forty points, you did okay. Forty points and fifty points, you did great. That kind of stuff doesn't really entertain me. And I feel like Hollenspiel has a unique collection of solo experiences that are varied in theme, but also provide challenging experiences that you either win or you lose. And to make a game like that is very difficult out of a Euro style game, just because you're playing against the game, essentially. So two player games. One of my favorite big boxes, Uwe Rosenberg's Fields of Arla. That's just a great two-player experience. Watergate is obviously like one of my all-time favorite two-player games. I like the the player interaction. That's that's what I really care about. But yeah, that's that's where I'm at with those. First of all, those are all solid games. But second of all, how you were describing uh, the overall environment and really facilitating a move to the uh, you know solo play and then also just like household play, which kind of drove you know, smaller player counts, you know, the idea is if you're, if you're confined to a household and there's just a couple, well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, that's really setting you up for uh, two player games where in the past, maybe you were used to playing the more, the four player Euro efficiency type type games, but, um, but no, yeah, I, I t- totally agree with, with uh, you know, what you yeah. were saying and how you were, how you were describing those situations. The ones that I've had more concern with, you could, you were talking about solo experiences that are based on points. Right. And what I've seen is that the Euro games tend to favor that model where it's, uh, you know, it, it's almost a. You're scoring against somebody else that scored right. essentially. And it's like, ah, well, it, right. Exactly. Right. And I mean, it, and it's basically they're, they're trying to emulate the actual game with a, you know, trying to make it work for a, for a single player versus actually have something designed for a single player. So with that, yeah, it, it tends to favor exactly what you just described. So no, no, t- t- totally agree with what you, what you were saying there. 
Yeah, so with like Curious Cargo, Ryan Courtney has created a solo mode, which is going to be in the, the expansion that we're working on right now. The The solo mode is you're playing against a virtual bot, essentially, and it's freaking hard, man. It's it's really hard. <laughs> of course, it's Ryan Courtney. He's not going to let you get by with, you know, like kid gloves on. He's going to bring the pain and you got to you got to be on top of your game to be able to 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 beat it. I mean, you're you're either going to win or you're going to lose. And yeah, he he did a really good job at that. So and that's that's the type of solo experience I want. I don't want to compare my score with some artificial system like because you can always do better, you know. Yeah, I feel like with scoring and stuff, I would get really hard on myself. And also I would cheat. Um, that's <laughs> like, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, I feel like I would. I, I've never played a solo game, but I feel like if I would, it would be along the same lines of your taste of solo games. If I can just mention one game, uh, the very first solo game I've ever played was Navajo Wars from Joel Toppin. And this is a Native American perspective game where you are the Navajo or the Dine. Very historical. The flavor is there. It really brings you into that. And for me, I'll be completely open and frank about this. You're responsible for families, like individual families. You have a, a husband, a wife. Um, you can have children. And there's like a couple of families that you're going to be taking care of as the uh, I believe the Spanish come through first, and then the the Mexican uh, after the Mexican War of Independence, the Mexicans are a threat to the Native Americans, and then then the United States is the major threat that and eventually drives them off with Kit Carson. But some of that gameplay is so raw and so strong that it really brings emotions because you're raising this family and like moving throughout the area. And there's stuff that happens where it's like it brings about slavery where they take away your child from you in the game. And it's like the, it all it is is a little token that says child and it's a little picture of a boy or what or a girl and it's taken away. And man, the attachment that you have when when you're just trying to prevent that from happening. But it, it's real life. It's really heavy and it's just it makes you feel and it's make it's makes me want to learn more about that and just appreciate how these people tried to survive and it did everything they could through all that. And it's just, if you're looking for a solo experience, that is a really strong game. I would highly recommend. And what was that Navajo Wars? Yes. He's got a second okay. game called Comancheria for the Comanche empire, but okay. Heavy. It's, it, it's not for the lighthearted. I mean, this is heavy, heavy theme and it's, it's it's pretty raw, so it's very educational as well. It sounds like the vote where you get like the perspective that you normally wouldn't get, and it makes you appreciate that perspective because, like you, like Eric said, like you see it in the textbook, and you just don't get that emotion. Mm -hmm. The emotion it doesn't have it brings the emotion into the experience, and that makes it that much memorable. I feel like that's almost. I mean, we're saying like. Something that's important there for one or yeah. maybe two player games is that because the you're missing potentially some interaction compared to playing like a four player game, you need to have something else to leave the game with, right? True. And so these things where 
-hmm. like at higher player counts like the the vote wouldn't be as effective i feel like people would be less interested in learning and the learning would be less impactful the story i guess of the game kind of gets diluted with more people because you have to focus on what you're doing in relation to them so that seems like something that one or two player games are better positioned to do because it's so controlled i guess yeah you got a really good point there you're on to something for sure because that's that's what i've noticed with the 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 solo games that i've really enjoyed it has that heavy element to it the specificity of experience (laughs) okay or not Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Eric's always really good at concluding thoughts. I feel like it's something that I'm really jealous of that he's able to do. So he's perfect for this type of podcast. Because I don't understand it unless I can do that. I'm really, you've said like a million words and I'm like, okay, but what do I, if I try to remember all of that, I'll remember none of it. Yep. <laughs> yep a summary. Let's just make I gotcha. it this big. Yeah. <laughs> Eric's version of Cliff Notes. That's I like it. Idea. Okay. <laughs> All right. So so that you can steal my summaries and make me play Nixon. Got it. <laughs> yes. Got it. Check. <laughs> yeah. It's all coming together Eric, now. What about you? Do you have uh you have some games or thoughts in this yeah. uh, vein? Um I mean obviously I can't really comment. Like, has there been a surge? Probably. <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> Oh, I struggle with playing lower player count games for a few reasons. I have this weird part of it's fine. I'd rather play Watergate with a bunch of different people than the same person over and over again. Unless I guess we're somehow like perfectly evenly matched or something. Because I have this weird competitive nature where I find it more interesting to continue to do something that's like really hard and eventually overcome that. Then I do like competing with someone around the same skill level and determining like who's going to win in this scenario. Like it's this, I never understood why I felt this way, but like I would compete with, I would have more fun competing with people that I know I'm not even close to as good as and eventually see myself get there. Then like, mm, who's better today? Who wins? So with like, no, I get that. I get that. Yeah. I know what so it's like about. two players. I'm like, eh. I don't know. It's really bizarre thing. So like when Clay is talking about curious cargo solo mode, that's impossible. I'm like, okay, yes, because I love losing if I'm learning every time. (laughs) And you're kind of talking about how you don't like points. I'm not sure that I mind benchmarking myself against points, but I also don't know if it's necessary because I kind of usually have my own ideas. Like when I'm playing curious cargo, Joe can like bump my trucks or whatever, but like I still get to puzzle and I get to know, like, did I good do a good job solving the problems that were in front of me, which are like none of my pipe tiles go the way I want them to. And I still get that. Even if Ryan Courtney's like, yeah, you got to get a hundred points. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll still know like, oh, I did a good job puzzling this. And it's sort of that way with some euros. I was thinking of like Orléans specifically, like, oh, did I do a good job constructing my bag in a way that helped me efficiently move around? And like, so that's satisfying in terms of me, not necessarily first the other players, but me performing the game well. And 
I don't know where I'm going with this anymore, but but like <laughs> I, I find that diffuses some of my personal competitive issues. If there's like maybe I didn't win or lose this game, but I did a I could tell I played my hand really well. And so I enjoy that versus like games like maybe Watergate where it's only interactive and I can only judge what I did off of what the other person was doing. And how you're describing that, it sounds like you might be interested in in some more of these solo games that are out there mm-hmm. because I think they really narrow in or, or focus in on on that on on the feeling that you just described. So that that'll be interesting as we uh, as you get into and, and see more mm-hmm. of these titles that are, are kind of focused on that. I'd say the the two that. Um, that Clay was talking about the Navajo Wars and the what, what's the other one? Comancheria. Yes, Comancheria. I think that was, yep. yeah, and that's the one I think that I've seen more of than um, than Navajo Wars. But I think they probably have more of that style. What you just described. Eric, didn't you just get a solo RPG game though? Nope. From Kickstarter. It is not solo. Is that not solo? It's map map um, building and drawing. Never mind then. But as a group, okay. For some reason, I thought it was solo. So never mind. Disregard. Well, no, I think I think you're right, Jelly, and I think there are definitely some of those what you just described out there as well, though. Just solo RPGs mm-hmm. where it's um, it's basically you and you and the story. Yeah. So if I'm going to play Eric and try to summarize the Cliff Notes version, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. I think I got it. it. You're going to Eric the Eric. I'm going to okay. try. It. Um, so you would like to have. You would rather, instead of, you don't want to do, you don't want to play Twilight Struggle or Watergate against the same opponent and like all the time because you you would feel that there's a kind of like a limit, like a meta game. Like you're just, you're both at the same level and there's no gratifying experience of like learning or educating yourself to further your strategy. Whereas you could experience that with a wider range of people. Maybe yes, I'm wrong. I think so. Yeah, so I guess okay. it's the getting the improvement is the hook for me. Out of it. Okay, yes. Weirdly, I don't know why. Discovering the strategies yes. and fine-tuning your strategy and just getting it to a, yes. Okay. Yeah, I don't like the competitive scene either. Like, uh, I used to play Netrunner. is like a two-player-only game, and that's all it was, man, is just... To me, it was that first part where you don't like, and that that really resonates with me. I like to experience it with other people and kind of learn as I play. I don't know if this is heresy or not, but it's hard. (laughs) When Tim talks about like solo, you know, RPG games, and I'm just like, I grew up playing video games like way more. And so when I'm like going for solo experiences, I just have these already. So it's hard for me to imagine solo board gaming yeah you'd rather play a video game than a board game i'm there with you also yeah my backlog is already bigger (laughs) so and er, early in the pandemic i was hearing (laughs) that argument quite a bit if i'm gonna play a you know just as people are transitioning it was a lot of folks that were kind of pushing back on tabletop simulator and basically saying "Eh, if i'm gonna play online if i'm gonna play on a computer i just want to play a video game I really don't want to play a board game, uh, you know, ported to a, um, a digital format. 
uh, but also specifically on the solo side. If I'm gonna play, if I'm gonna play a solo game, I'm just gonna go to a video game. I'm not gonna bother trying to have an analog experience of a uh, you know a tabletop situation. But I, at least based on the conversations and the the comments that I've been seeing lately, there's actually been quite a bit more folks that are starting to do some of this, some of some of the 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 solo board gaming side as well not to say that there wasn't a scene you know prior but it seems like it's uh it's definitely solidified yeah. and i can see certain games i mean like you're talking navajo wars yep. uh, and comancheria like these just seem like i'm more down for that i think but that's really just like i like the story that's being told regardless of the medium that it's being told in so i'm okay those actually sound more compelling than i thought existed coming into this podcast so that's interesting no i gotcha i gotcha it's the more you learn (laughs) rainbow (laughs) noise (laughs) (laughs) yeah i have a i have a conspiracy theory now though i think the whole video game and solo playing with that maybe that's why there's so many video game board games coming out recently because for that same sentiment, like I guess people. people are maybe just like, well, yeah, Jillian, I hate in. to be the bearer of bad <laughs> news. Oh but no, that's called printing money. That's what they're doing. Licensing. They are going to the factory and printing hundred dollar bills. That's all they're doing. The one thing I will say. With that being said, where's Stardew Valley board game? It's I mean, today. <laughs> <laughs> It's not. It's sold yeah. out. I think you don't still. want that. Trust me. No, but I want it because it's Stardew Valley. Like if Animal Jane. Crossing came out with a board game, I know you hate Animal Crossing, but all right. I'm. Sh- I. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but you've literally never played Stardew Valley. I've seen it, and I want to play it. I know it's Animal Crossing, but mature. But I just haven't had the time. Just go get Agricola, and you'll have a better time. Okay. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Eric just outed me on this podcast, and that's embarrassing. <laughs> Anyways, Tim, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Well, on we're going to have to have uh, Alex pull out the delete <laughs> button and, and remove that uh, from existence. We don't want it. We don't want you outed on the uh, on the podcast. No, come on. No, this is all I have. She makes me play Nixon, okay, <laughs> and I get to call her out publicly. Let me have something. <laughs> All right, so yeah, so it, based on what you're describing, Eric, and a little bit with uh, with Clay, uh, the first couple of games I have here, I'd say almost run the spectrum. The first is a series of games that is more. It's almost about campaign and team management. But at the end of uh, running a whole campaign, you do score yourself against some goals very similar to what you were just describing, Clay. That's the um, that's the leader series from DVG. I'll talk, talk about a couple of those specific titles here in a sec. And then the other one was this actually is a video game in in board game version, which is this war of mine from Awakened Realms and, and Ares and many others which heads the opposite direction more around a long-term narrative. There really isn't any scoring. It's more, you're just telling a story mm. heading back to the, the leader series. And there's a, 
I've mentioned these a handful of titles um, that that I have and have played since probably about uh, late September, early fall last year. So Hornet Leader, uh, IAF, which is Israeli Air Force, Phantom Leader, Thunderbolt, Apache, which is more um, uh, it's more uh, around providing um, uh, ground cover, which is a little bit different than some of the other ones, which are just attacking specific um, specific uh, targets. Uh, B-17, which is uh, all about bombing runs. Uh, Sherman Leader, which is about uh, running a tank division. Uh, and then Corsair Leader, which was, uh, you know, it's, it's World War II on the uh, U.S. and U.K. side. And then uh, Zero Leader is actually in the process of being delivered right now. It's just starting to hit people's people's hands, which is just the other side of that uh, that conflict. If I played all of that, all of those in that list. Uh, my favorite so far has been probably a combination of Thunderbolt Apache and uh, Corsair of the Ares series. The the Corsair was uh, the most fun for me, and the reason why f- for that is they added a level of dogfighting that you don't necessarily have in the other ones. Uh, the other ones have you know quite a bit of missiles and, and such, so it's pretty much. You, you get people within a certain range, and uh, you're, you're just firing missiles at them, and then it's just a quick uh, D10 roll, and uh, and that's usually about it. The other one, you got to make some decisions about how you want to uh, try to encounter each of the individual dogfights a little bit more bandit to bandit, or um, plane to bandit uh, scenarios. So, so with all these though. Um, you select a scenario and a length, which really determines the difficulty and the specific missions that are going to be encountered. So the the level of replayability and variability in the game is is kind of ridiculous on that standpoint. You're going to see different um, different missions and different targets based on the scenario. Now, from a replayability um, session to session, it's you know it's basically going to play the same. You know, each 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 game is going to have a similar feel, a similar um, a similar uh, almost procedural nature to it. So after you select your scenario, then you're going to you're going to either select or randomly determine your team from just a pile of cards that represent different pilots. And then also the pilots and aircraft or uh, the tanks based on the, the the title that you're that you're dealing with in the specific campaign. So each of the campaigns is set with a um, a, a year duration, and then you can only take uh, equipment that's within that uh, within that year um, range. So each each session or uh, scenario is going to be a series of rounds based on the length, and then each one of those you're gonna you're gonna select a mission or two that uh that you're going to fly uh you select pilots and and equipment based on that you arm all the aircraft based on exactly you know that specific mission and what the needs are and also the capabilities of the of the aircraft and and then it's a matter of flying that mission on what ends up looking almost like a radar map where you have the uh you have the target in the center and then your uh, your aircraft tends to start on the outside and works its way toward the center maybe fight maybe fighting and running and running into and fighting bogeys as you uh, as you get there but then eventually uh doing bombing runs on that on that center target the other cool thing about it is it almost has a team management part to the game and that you you really have to manage your your pilots as individuals because every mission that they fly in they're going to be gaining stress 
just for flying. And then in addition, any um, enemies that they run into, if they get shot at, at a minimum, they're going to be gaining stress, but uh, potentially coming back wounded or even um, you, you can definitely lose pilots on your team that can be replaced with uh, usually folks uh further down the development chain because that's the other thing what you're trying to do this has a little bit of a, a video gamey feel to it where you're leveling up your pilots so they might come in uh, and i think they're most i think all the games have six different levels so you're starting like at a rookie level heading to green and then you know so on and so forth and then ending up potentially at ace so uh, those titles, it's more about the scenarios and, uh, and also that, uh, that pilot management. And then uh, based on how well you do with the, uh, with the missions, just scoring all the, uh, all the values of the targets you destroy. And then putting you into, uh, into one, of those, uh, one of those categories, very similar to what, what Clay was talking about. So if you like, like the idea of team management or um, you know, gr- um, overall group management and handling the logistics of that, that's, uh, those tend to be pretty, pretty solid titles for that. I don't think anyone here has, has played any of those. Is that correct? Yeah, I've not played it. Uh-uh. What about the two-player games? Two-player? I've got all kinds. To be honest, this is probably my favorite uh, favorite player count so i've got i've got them in in three different groups um abstracts couple that we've talked about just in uh just in the couple sessions that we've had have been uh, go go is probably my my favorite in the two player abstracts and that is one where you're just it's just a head to head uh well you know a chess feel but a uh, you know totally obviously totally different mechanics much less complexity but uh probably a higher uh, higher depth in the decision space, just because of the the quantity of um, combinations that are available, I will learn this game this year. That is a goal of mine. Have you watched the documentary? No. Oh my god, it's so good. Yep. On yep. Netflix, yes. the one on Netflix. Yeah, it's good. It'll make you want to play Go real bad. <laughs> oh, there's a documentary on the history of doorknobs. Yeah, I'll watch it. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> But it's so interesting every single time. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that, that's that's solid as well. Uh, Shobu, we talked about that yes. the last time. That's a that's a fun a, uh, that abstract feel and a, with a very small uh, table presence. Uh, GIF series G I P F. That's yep. a series of what uh, seven eight games I think that are are all based on a similar look and feel, but uh, slightly different um, rules variations. Uh, Santorini, Onitama, Hive. There's all kinds of games in that um, in in that group. How, how about you guys? Uh, favorite abstract games? Mm. Uh, not for. I don't really know any of those. Um, Justin actually did give us Shobu today because oh. we went and stopped by his apartment to yeah. pick up a mic for Eric for this podcast. Yeah, we just got a look at it, and um, I think it was on my list from the last podcast too. So we'll have to get that to the table soon. My favorite abstract is backgammon. I just love that game. Really good memories. I haven't played that in a long time. Now what is it? That has dice rolling and also it's a roll and move. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Okay. You got to get all your little tokens to one side to home base, but you can be a giant jerk in that game. (laughs) And it's just, there's a lot of different, yeah, whatever. Um, 
I like how you group that abstracts. What else you got? Yeah, next next group was dual games. I, I got a handful in in the, well, more than a handful in there. But w- we've already been talking about Watergate. By the way, I I, I had to ask. Um, I haven't had a bad game of Watergate, and I've played it over twenty times. That's just a a solid title. That every time you sit down with either the same person or or a different person, it's uh, it's just always been a solid experience. By any chance, do you guys see the? Um, there was something that went up on the BGG store for the Watergate upgraded. Components. Oh, they have the bits now, so they've oh. got yeah, the geek yeah, yeah. the momentum tokens are little thumbtacks, and then the little plastic uh, evidence tokens. Everything's upgraded to better feel, I guess. Yeah, it looks it looks really neat. Yeah, yeah, I might have to get it. I know we're. I'm looking at it. A couple of people that I've that I've been playing with, we're looking at doing a, a group order there. But uh, so Watergate Meltwater, that was another one. Uh, Clay, you and I have talked about. So that's a Hollenspiel game set at uh, what nineteen late nineteen hundreds or uh, late mid nineteen hundreds. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cold War. Yep, where the Cold War goes hot, and the only inhabitable part of earth is antarctica which is slowly getting smaller and smaller as the radiation creeps in yeah you're gonna die yep. but you want to make sure you're the last guy to die <laughs> love it. it it's pretty <laughs> yep it's dark it's a very dark theme <laughs> wonderful wonderful experience oh yeah but you kind of gamified that though the last time which i didn't like that that kind of Spoil, but that's maybe just another level of like, okay, now you're on level two of this game and where you got to like, okay, be aware of that. And I would say the, probably the, the, the biggest turn of that is when you start really determining how to use the military to manipulate yeah. where the radiation's going to go. Yes. Because when they, when military attacks other military, basically it sets off a dirty bomb, which creates more radiation in the area, but, but you can, you can figure out how to uh, place it where you want. So yeah, that, that can really shift the game real quick. Yeah. You, you absolutely destroyed me like super fast with this. And I was, it was an eye opening move of just, wow, I did not. That's a, that's another level, sir. That was, <laughs> that was neat. And <laughs> there's all kinds of, of, of these games out there, the, the smaller box. So seven wonders, dual Tesla and Edison dual, Targi, I'd, I'd throw in there. High Treason, I think we've, yeah. we've talked about a little bit, and that's uh, or it's a uh, trial-based game. So uh, each a, player is a, an attorney. Yeah. Uh, Tank Duel War Chest, uh, Battle Line. Now in a new version of that that came out a couple, uh, what maybe a year ago, Battle Line Medieval, that added a little bit of uh, variability to the uh, to the areas. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely, I just picked up a uh, Kickstarter in this um, in this genre uh, in the last couple of weeks called Lawyer Up. Mm-hmm. That's another one that's it's more of a courtroom drama feel to it, and it has a Interesting. yeah it's 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 kind of neat. We've played it a couple of times now, and it has a feeling of um, of Biblios to it in that it's uh, it's almost like a two phase game so the the first phase is i I think it's called discovery phase and that's where you have the you have a case uh so one player's prosecution one player's defense and then there's a there's a series of of cards that go along with the the specific case that you're playing and 
the first part is about each player takes three of those cards and simultaneously selects one to put into their deck, one to put into the opponent's deck, and one to bury. So you're burying evidence. Each player's doing that at the same time. You do it until basically uh, both players, at least in the beginner scenario, both players have 10 additional cards, and then they take those and shuffle them into their other um, other base cards. And then they have a full deck, and then you play a game where you're just trying to connect different types of bias tokens on the uh, on the cards as you play them based on witnesses. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool one, actually. I mean, it's pr- pretty light, but uh, but we've liked it so far. And the other one we've talked about uh, previously is uh, Ashes from a dual game standpoint. And that's, uh, that's one we've, uh, we've been getting a lot of plays in the last couple of months at. And actually just, just had my, the second edition that Ashes Reborn just, uh, just arrived earlier this weekend. We'll be adding uh, Rift Force to this list, Tim. Guaranteed. There you go. I will bet yep. you a bottle of bourbon on that. Well, and that's that's what we were saying. We were looking at that and comparing it to some of the other games on the list, and yeah, it it sounds like it really fits right into the uh, that group there. It for sure does. Saying by the time that this podcast comes out, we'll have officially announced that. Ooh. So, yeehaw! There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last group is uh, a group that I had that are, that are probably more narrative or card driven titles so war of the ring which is a um, a pretty epic feel uh game uh based on lords of the ring or lord of the rings uh and that that's a game i've only got one play on we just played it maybe um boy maybe a month month and a half ago but really really liked it it was a um it just a very very engaging engaging game for the most part, not amazingly luck based, but I can tell you that the the end in in the in the one game that we played ended up being uh, pr- pretty luck based. I, I was really heading toward a pr- a pretty solid victory, and then in the last uh, on the on the shadow side, so the 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 darker side, and uh, in the last two rounds, I, I had some dice rolls that just totally took me out of the game. I had no actions to even play and then ended up getting rolled in the last two, uh, last two turns. So it's one of those, again, if, if you're okay, okay with that, that level of randomness in a game that can be that long. Cause I think that was, that was probably about three, three and a half hours and the last two turns just totally flipped. But yeah, another one, uh, Clay and I, you and I touched this one a handful of months ago. Fields of despair. Very so, good. Yeah. one that was a good again a little bit of a uh, epic feel with with that one as well i like that list yeah I, I have so many games in in this genre because it's an easy player count to play and also just tends to be one of one of my favorites so down in flames i've, pl- I've played that that's a card game and you're basically it's it's top gun but you're you're playing it's just hand management where uh, you're trying to get a missile lock on the other player. Well, you're trying to maneuver to get into an advantageous, advantageous position and then getting missile lock on folks and then firing missiles. And you actually play cards based on the missile and the other player tries to evade. So it, that, that, that's another one that's kind of neat. 1960, uh, Making of the President. That was, Clay, you and I played that one. That's the Nixon-Kennedy yeah. election. Right. That has that simplified Twilight Struggle feel. 
And there are multiple other ones in that vein. Versindas Folk, 13 Days. Yeah. Commanding Color Series. All CMT games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then the the couple that we we have talked about last uh, last couple of times we got together this guilty land from Hollandsville and then also the vote. So th- those were all on my list as well. How about you, Jillian? Solo and uh, two player. I don't really have much to add. I enjoy solo and two player. Like I haven't really played solo otherwise, as I touched on before. But like I feel like I have a niche that I would be into, which is like solo RPG or um, the keepsake games by the designer that I was talking about earlier. But yeah, I I enjoy two-player games, and it's been interesting to see the demand for games who that are usually like three to five players for like a two-player variant, especially with like coffee traders. Like it, it was really cool to see Andre and Rolf put that two-player variant together for coffee traders because I know that it was like a really really big demand for people and which is understandable I mean during a pandemic um spending around a hundred dollars on a game can be hard especially if you don't have three players so I'm glad that we were able to provide that later on I I don't really have much to say on it like I I pretty much have the same game taste as Eric I mean we're dating so it's not a surprise on that end and Clay and I are related and we have the same game taste in that way so like I feel like everybody touched on basically what I was going to say. And so, yeah, all I can say is. Well, give me your top three favorite two player games or two or one. (laughs) Okay. Just curious. I would have to say curious cargo just because I also like the puzzly aspect of it. And I think that it just. The theme of it and like the little characters on it as well, like all of it just like pulls it together for me. Like, I don't know. It, it, it's just a really fun game and it you don't really, for me at least, um, I, don't, I can't really tell like who's winning until like the very like last minute. Sometimes there are games where it's obvious who's in the lead. Like Eric and I played a game recently where he was like, 20 points ahead of me <laughs> but that that's probably my number one after that i would have to say even though i just played watergate once that's probably going to be a favorite for me for a little bit like i i really enjoyed that and i think i'll enjoy that with playing with um, a different group of people a couple of different times um and i would like to see how i play as nixon as well uh even though <laughs> i hate nixon <laughs> Uh, now I'm having trouble doing a third one. Reforce is fun. Orleone is fun. Now I'm trying to think. Eric, what other two or solo player games have we played? Uh, I think Gloomhaven is really good at two players, personally. That's so much work. It is, but... I was going to... The very first time that I played Gloomhaven... I will say that that same night I was really thinking about starting my own solo campaign, but I just wanted to kind of grow with our friend group in our party. It's unfortunate that our friend Paul is going to probably have to step out because it's been really fun, but that was a game that really made me consider playing solo, even though it's like crazy setup and everything. 
So I, I know that I would enjoy it probably at two or, or solo. So I'll put that up there as an honorable mention. Solid list, though. That's good. We'll talk to you in about a year and revisit that. See what kind of <laughs> <laughs> non-cap stuff yeah. you get in there. Um, I think... Uh, yeah. Yeah. in my life recently. We'll get, uh, <laughs> we'll get you out there with... I mean, me and Tim are going to be pulling for the GMT stuff, but... We're, <laughs> GMT yeah. and Hollenspiel. They have good two-player games. Both those companies yeah. just... Yeah, they do. That's their wheelhouse. Amabelle, Mary been killing it over there and I, I like i i would say that i'm like not usually like into those types of games like i i, I don't know if it's getting if, if it's me getting quote-unquote older but um like history historical games and stuff was those are really cool and i think um the story provide yeah provide a really cool story um with some emotional attachment sometimes so i think that is really cool. Like board games as a medium is really, really cool for that. Absolutely. Well, good stuff. But with that being said, um, since I don't really have that much to add, I think we're going to have to, just because this is a really long podcast and we kind of got ahead of ourselves in some areas, too many good topics, I would say. We're going to have to postpone the juxtaposition of relatively new and seasoned gamers and what is the missing link to engaging new gamers and what is a gateway game to another episode because we got a little bit ahead of ourselves <laughs> well we're talking about great games it's easy to uh that's true <laughs> yeah which i'm sad about because i'm very passionate about this topic so next time i'm gonna go on Uh-oh. a mini rant not rant but just my thoughts on it just a little preface. It's just interesting to see the conversation as a new gamer, what seasoned gamers think gateway games are and like what specific mechanics are involved. So I'm excited to talk cool. about that next time. Uh, I'll be there with you guys. <laughs> not Eric, though. Eric's not invited? <laughs> He's getting oh. kicked Didn't out. Didn't pass the cut. Okay. No. <laughs> they listened to the content and said it wasn't any good. <laughs> <laughs> His cheat codes just didn't hold up. He said he wants to play solo video games. (laughs) (laughs) He's gone. (laughs) You did tell me about that Dorf Romantic game, which is, that's pretty cool. That's a board game. That's what I'm saying. There's a conversation there about digital tabletop versus video games, but you can have me back on for that one when I'm allowed. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We'll have to think about it. All right. <laughs> I hear that tone. <laughs> okay. Well, with that being said, we'll bring this episode to a close. So if you guys would like, use the hashtag AskCapZone on Twitter if you want us to answer any of your questions. This could range from industry questions to game preferences all the way to personal day-to-day questions. You can even ask us what a freak topo is and what we prefer in our freak topos. <laughs> you can join our Discord and ask us questions there as well, although we may respond immediately because it's fun. You can do that in the Ask Capstone channel. You can also jump in our bi-weekly online game nights on Discord, and those are hosted by Josh and Alex. They're both great at teaching games, so 
It's always a fun night with them. These are scheduled for the first and third Tuesdays of the month. Alex is on Pacific time, so I think he usually caters to people on the West Coast in the US, and Josh lives here in Ohio with us, so he's on the Eastern time zone. So join us next time when we'll discuss possibly the Gateway Games and uh, what is the missing link to engaging with gamers. And we'll take you beyond the table. Yay! Bye, everybody. Bye, we'll catch you next time. <laughs> we got all these games to play. I've got the games. I've got I've got a few set up already. Right now. Ready to go. Oh, you're ready to go? Where are you guys at? High treason. I think I already told Tim that though. Yeah. That's a good one. And it's Watergate size. I, yep. I've got an extra copy I'm bringing. Yes, sir. Yeah. A nemesis. Yep, yep. Oh my god, I want to play Nemesis so bad. Yep. Yeah, plays plays dying to play Nemesis. I'm out. Jalen and I spent like the beginning of the quarantine just rewatching all of it. Aliens. Yep. Ready to go. Yep. Okay. Can you guys do me a can you do me a a quick favor? Can you guys all Mm -hmm. smile real quick so I can. Ready? One. Yeah. Oh, you <laughs> look like an old <laughs> guy. Like, like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> 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 okay. Oh. Uh.